Welcome to the library, Wanderer. Our rules are three. Respect your fellow patrons. Do not damage the library. Return your books on time. You'll need a card to check out, of course. See the front desk for that. It should be just under a week's journey from here. You'll have to give the archivist your true name, but don't worry. We'll keep it under the strictest levels of security. Oh, and stay away from locked doors. There are places here where even we will not protect you. We would like to extend a special thanks to our associate producers, Dr. Theron Sherman, Sogapple, Adrian, Ethan Childers, Uncertainty Crossing, Angie Oriana, Cameron Schaus, Lisa Person, and Salem. What you are hearing is the result of their generous support. Now please, sit back and enjoy The Journal of Aphromos Long Journey. Day, 17th cycle, 7th year, 81st turn. 27th day in the trees. We were visited again last night. This time, they left three robes, sized to my frame. They are in light shades of blue, like my stripes, and made of something like silk. However, it is much, much tougher than silk. My old robe was gone. This is perhaps the most disconcerting thing of all, for I had been wearing it while I slept. Once again, I did not wake until morning, nor did Thorn. I am certain now that we are dealing with magic. They also left another string of beads. These are yellow and green, and on much shorter string. They are just the right length to wrap around Thorn's wrist which I do not think was a coincidence. Torn is not too worried. If they had wanted us dead, he explained, a dagger would suffice. They left gifts, you said, and in time will name their price. Don't be in such a hurry to have yourself a worry. You know tomorrow's pain can wait. If hostile ferocity is behind this generosity, it will come another date. I suppose that he is right. If there is a dagger behind it, there's little I can do now. Worrying will not help. I will still have difficulty sleeping tonight. Our travel today was uneventful. I saw a bird with the head of a lizard, or perhaps it was a two-legged lizard with feathers. It appeared to have wings, but did not fly. It did manage a short glide from a high tree branch, landing on the path ahead of us, clutching a large dragonfly in its mouth. It did not run when I approached, though it did look up curiously. Its feathers were a deep green, with red scales running along its belly and on its head. I saw that its wings had three small fingers about halfway along their length, which it used to hold the dragonfly while it ate. This appears to be some sort of bird-lizard hybrid, there are many such in the Ravelwoods, 
ranging from cockatrices to archaeopteryxes. I believe we can rule those out, however, based on the size and lack of petrification. After we had passed it, I looked back in time to watch it climbing a tree near the path, evidently to catch more dragonflies. When evening came, we made camp at the base of the hill. The side of the hill is steep, and we piled thorn bushes around our camp. It will be much more difficult for someone to sneak into our camp tonight. Sky Day, 17th cycle, 7th year, 81st turn. 28th day in the trees. We are lucky to be alive. We were walking through a rather sparse area of forest. There wasn't a great deal of underbrush, and the trees weren't very close together. They were all of the same kind, which Torn called oaks. Among the few plants beneath them were blue, downward-hanging flowers. I did notice that there were a lot of old stumps, many of which had younger trees sprouting from them. I did not give much thought to them, however. There was more sunlight, and we were in high spirits. Then I noticed there were no birds singing. I cannot say exactly when they stopped, but there was no noise around us, save the wind moving through the leaves above us. There were no insects around us, no mosquitoes buzzing in the air. Our voices seemed unnaturally loud. The silence weighed down like lead on our tongues, and we did not talk. Torn glanced nervously this way and that. Suja huddled close to my ankles. We were all on edge. The rustling among the leaves picked up. I began to glance around as well. I wondered what had driven all else to silence. What had they been so afraid of? Then the wind died. The rustling did not. Belatedly, I stared up into the leaves and we saw gnarled, hairless faces, like Torn's, but greatly twisted. Their eyes were dark and full of hate. The branches moved around them. These were plainly oak men. Most likely, they wandered through a thrice-cut grove of oak trees. The bluebells are also a warning sign to the more experienced Ravelwoods traveller. And then the barrage began. Sticks, leaves, and other debris rained down on us. At first it was nothing, but as the branches moved faster and harder, it became worse. Soon, branches were breaking off and falling at us. One hit torn in the back, and he nearly fell over. I picked up Suja, and he ran as fast as we could. The creaking, cracking sound of moving trees was all around us. I saw one pull its roots from the ground, and it seemed to walk on them towards us before it fell. The little faces in the trees scowled, and I heard their harsh, high-pitched voices screaming at us. Torn tripped as a root ripped through the surface of the path, and he fell behind me. I turned and picked him up with my free hand, setting him on his feet ahead of me. We did not stop until we could no longer hear the trees moving or see an oak. We caught our breath, waiting in the very centre of the path. To my amazement, Torn began to laugh. When I asked why, he said that he was glad. I did not understand why. We had only barely escaped dying. He said that was it. He was happy to be alive. 
I stared at him for a moment, and then I began to laugh as well. It was good to be alive. Since beginning this quest, I had begun to lose sight of that. We are truly lucky. Beer day. 17th cycle, 7th year, 81st turn. 30th day in the trees. While we were walking today, Torn asked about the barrow. I told him about us. I told him about how we traveled through the desert, going from oasis to oasis. I told him about our neighbors, the Nalifron on the Trescu. He asked the name of the desert, and I told him it was the barrow. He asked if the desert was named for us. I told him no. He then asked if we were named for the desert. My first father was right. Outsiders never understand. We found an odd tree this evening, odder even than the needle trees. It grew upside down. The crown of the tree was suspended over our heads, pointing downwards. The leafy canopy was caged in by massive roots that grew from the top, going up and then curving until they pointed downwards, like great columns. I'm not personally aware of any tree which habitually grows upside down. It's possible it began as an ordinary elm or poplar and was altered by a lost tribe of horticulturalists. Branches showed out from between the roots, making it easy for Torn to climb up to the top. I warned him not to, for it was very high, but he would not heed me, and soon had removed his boots and was climbing as though he were a monkey. I watched, worried that he might fall and break his neck, but he was sure-footed and kept his grip on the branches. He reported that there was a great nest of some sort in the roots. There were eggs in it as large as his head, though he saw nothing warming them. A great eagle's nest, I suspect. These large raptors customarily hunt deer and boar, but have developed a taste for explorers. After watching the skies around him, he snuck close and retrieved a feather. It was as long as his arm and red in color. He secreted it away, claiming it for a project of his. He would not tell me the details of it. He is a very strange man. We made camp under the tree. The roots make it easily defended against predators. Once the dead leaves and other debris were cleared away from the fire, it was almost ideal. One day, the trees tried to kill us. Today, one shelters us. I cannot make up my mind if I like this forest or if it terrifies me. Skull Day, 17th cycle, 7th year, 81st turn, 31st day in the trees. Today, there is once again little underbrush around us. However, there is a very thick layer of leaves and other debris on the ground. I occasionally see many-legged creatures crawling from beneath the litter. It is very warm and the air is heavy with moisture. The reassuring sounds of birds and animals come down to us from the canopy, far above. There are flowers blooming all around us, and our noses fill with their perfume, with every breath. As we walked through this jungle, as Torn calls it, we encountered what I think is an animal. 
Like many things in the forest, it is very strange. We were walking down the path when we heard breathing off the path. It sounded as though it was something very large and we considered what to do. On the one hand, if it were dangerous, it would be foolish to get too close to it. On the other hand, we needed to continue on the path. We thought of going off the path on the other side, but there were many thorn brushes on that side of the path and it would have been difficult going. We decided to cautiously look at the creature that breathed so loudly. It was large and red. That was the most one could say of it. It was just slightly taller than I, but much, much wider, being shaped like a dome, but covered in red fur. There were no eyes that we could see, nor ears, nor even a mouth, but it moved, getting slightly larger and then smaller as it breathed. This sounds like a land sponge, though bearing no true relation to the sponges of the oceans, these animals never leave the place where they take root, their bodies naturally atrophying until they are little more than stomachs with mouths and tentacles. They catch their prey with venomous spines hidden in their brightly colored hairs. However, the largest known species of land sponge is five inches across, making this identification somewhat tricky. We stared at it for a moment. I considered touching it, but wondered if that would disturb the creature and what it might do if disturbed. Torn agreed. An animal, I believe. Though looks can deceive, but something about it troubles me. It plain cannot move, not on foot nor on hoof. But nothing has eaten this bubble, see? We kept well back, and I held Suja safe, though she seemed quite interested in the creature. It was all too strange. Why hadn't anything tried to eat such easy prey? For that matter, what did the creature eat? Where was its mouth? We left it there, breathing steadily. We did not want to learn firsthand how the creature feeds. We made camp by a large statue. It had the body of a fat human, but with too many arms and the head of a rat. A statue of the god Hassanag, equipped during the Near East period by the wandering Terrets. Master stonemasons, they left statues of their rat-headed god everywhere. It was sitting on a block carved to look like what Torn calls an elephant. I've heard of elephants, but had never seen what one looked like. I assume that they are somewhat less rectangular than the statue. Allowing for that, they are interesting creatures, with an arm where their nose should be, and long teeth sprouting from their jaws. Our cousins, the Desda, sometimes ride them into battle. The idea of riding another creature seems strange, but apparently the elephants are fairly big. Day. 17th cycle, 7th year, 81st turn, 32nd day in the trees. We had an uneventful day today. We did come across some unusual tracks. They were of the hooves of a goat and the pads of a dog. At first, we believed them to be from two separate animals, but they followed each other so closely, we gradually realized that they were from the same animal, behind the front and hind legs respectively. 
They were very fresh, but they left the path before we could see the animal that made them. Very possibly a specimen of Ridland's lesser chimera, a creature that combines the more salient features of a dog, a goat, and a newt. Less well-known than their larger cousins, as they are rarely able to terrorize so much as a single farmstead, let alone entire kingdoms. I looked through the book today. I looked on every page, but none of what I'd been able to read before was legible. Not the wombats, not the rebellion, not even the picture of the two mice. There was, in fact, only one entry even slightly legible. It appeared that the book had decided it was a book of recipes today, but very strange recipes. It seemed to be a recipe for the cooking of names. It might be that the author meant some other sort of food that is simply called a name, but I am not sure. The ingredients are equally unusual, including beans, onions, the laughter of stones, the smile of a gorgon, and the heart of a matter. The instructions call for a cauldron made of wishes and a fire fueled by envy. The ingredients are supposed to be boiled until freezing. The recipe serves seven. We are either dealing with very dark magic or a very strange mind. Tresday, 17th cycle, 7th year, 81st turn. 33rd day in the trees. We met another person today. After two cycles of Torn's chatter, it was good to hear another voice. Not all humans natter incessantly, but just most of them. It was mid-afternoon, and we had stopped for something to eat. It had rained at the time we would have taken our lunch, so we were quite hungry. I had started a small fire with which to brew some tea, and Torn was making sandwiches, which are meat placed between pieces of bread. Suja was looking down the road, and she presently made a rather insistent sound. Torn looked down the road and said something in another language. I suspect it was a curse. I turned and saw a stranger walking towards us. At first, I thought it was a bush walking toward us, but realized that it was someone colored to look like one. She had a face like a bear's once she got close enough for me to see, and her hands ended in long claws. Her fur, as I have mentioned, was colored in greens with a bit of brown or black here and there. The roots were brown. In size, she was between Torn's height and my own. My name is Turla, she said when we asked her. We both moved over on the logs. She sat next to Torn after a moment's thought. It was just as well. The log I was sitting on was very thick around, and I was barely tall enough to sit on it comfortably. She told us she was a hunter. Over her shoulder she carried a bow, and she had a pack tied around her waist, coloured the same as her fur. She had some honey, which Torn spread over toasts to go with our sandwiches and tea. We told her who we were, and I told her of my task. She had no advice, but she found it interesting. She was on a task as well. She was hunting a monster that had killed her husband. It was a wolf, she explained. A talking wolf and a killer of its own kind as well. The talking wolves had white fur, but this one had turned black. I asked her about that, 
if it had dyed its fur, as she had dyed her own, but she shook her head. The wolf had turned black, even its eyes. She did not know why or how. A winter wolf, from the sound of it. I've never heard of one changing colour, but they do have their own peculiar magics. She had been tracking it for weeks, hoping to catch it before the talking wolves did, so that she would be able to kill it. Her eyes were almost closed when she said that, and her voice was tight. She held the metal cup she'd brought with her tightly. Torn changed the subject then, asking what she thought of the weather, or the trees around us, and other small things. Or perhaps not so small. Torn paid close attention to our answers. I sometimes wonder how much of Torn is an act. He is practical enough when he wishes to be. Perhaps the better question is what he hides behind this mask. After we finish eating, we said our goodbyes, and she took her leave. I hope that she finds justice for her husband, and eventually peace. Crow Day, 17th cycle, 7th year, 81st turn, 34th day in the trees. Torn thinks we were attacked today. I am less sure. We were walking between two needle trees, and it had been three hours past noon. Torn was skipping around me, nattering away as usual. I ignored him as best I could. He did not seem to notice I gave no answer. Then there was a crashing among the branches above us, and a furry creature with a broad, strong body landed in front of us. It was nearly as long as I am tall, and was possessed of long teeth and all too prominent claws. It was a bit like a jackal in its face, but its body was more like a cat's. Its tail was long and bushy. Surely a viamal, Pseudigulo viamis, an animal related to the mustelid species. For a time, they were thought to be a large arboreal species of wolverine. It moved towards us, making no sound, but keeping its body low to the ground as it moved, ready to jump. The hair along its back rose like the sail on a lazy sun dragon. Suja crawled up on top of my shoulder and hissed at the creature. Torn and I raised our hands to defend ourselves, and then the creature stopped, staring at us. It moved forward a bit, looking from Torn's hands to my own. Then it backed away, not turning around until it was well out of reach. It jumped, then, climbing up one of the enormous twisting trees, and we soon heard it moving away through the treetops. Torn believes it was hunting us, and had been about to pounce, when it seemed to see something about us it didn't like. Perhaps when we raised our hands, he thinks, we may have seemed more formidable. I do not know. With that thick body and its ability to climb, it seems that it would have been better served by attacking us directly, rather than jumping near, and giving us time to react. A sporting hunter is a hungry hunter. Was it simply curious, perhaps? Torn was nervous about meeting another, and because of this, it was long before we found a campsite. We ended up camping on the top of a hill. Though it was already dark, he took the time to put brambles around it, searching around and piling them up. He had stripped to the waist to do it, and is sorely scratched for his troubles. Still, 
He means well, and he had been right several times already. More caution will not harm us. I notice he is wearing the beads around his wrist. I would comment on it, but I now see that I am wearing mine as well. Strange. I don't remember putting them on. Thank you for listening. The Journal of Aphromos Long Journey is written by Dr. Everett Mann. You can browse Dr. Mann's articles and the other works of the library at wanderers-library.wiki.com. This production is possible in large part because of our sponsors. John Beatty, Yesenia, Crowcat, Rounder House, Lan2D, and John Winfield. Check the description to find out how to support this channel and future projects like this. This production and content relating to the Wanderers Library is licensed under Creative Commons Sharealike 3.0 and all concepts originate from the Wanderers Library wiki and its authors. This recording, being derived from this content, is hereby also released under Creative Commons Sharealike 3.0. I'm Grigori Carpin from Simply Creative People, the podcast where we discuss GOIs, canons, and stories from the SCP Wiki, and we try to recommend things for all fans of the Wiki, new and old. Look for us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts. Visit the show page at anchor.fm slash simply-creative-people, or follow us on Twitter at S-I-M-C-R-E-A-T. Hey there, this is DJ Skip, host of Foundation After Midnight Radio, coming to you from the only third shift broadcast for personnel, by personnel. Be sure to tune in wherever you listen to podcasts to not miss out on containment news and community announcements from within the Foundation.